Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest episode, the newest edition of Three In, Three Out. I am your host, Clinton Bonner. I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. Of course, we are live on the Locker Room app. We are posting it out to Field Goals Podcast. It's a whole new world. It's a beautiful thing. And we are going to be talking some Seahawks today. But, but in fact, we might not be talking Seahawks yet. These might be some Seahawks to come. Brandon, Tell the good folks what the topic of today is. Yes, we will be talking future Seahawks because it is the initial wave of free agency coming up this week, the start of the new league year. So we're going to be seeing some movement this week and whether it's on the Seahawks, that remains to be seen, but definitely throughout the NFL. And so I thought, what a good way this week to try and kick this off by talking about the guys that the Seahawks should either acquire in free agency or absolutely avoid because in traditional three in three out format, we want to have three guys in three guys out. And in this week's show, the guys who are out are the ones that we want veto power over John Schneider on. Like if, if John Schneider were to come to us and say, Hey, should I sign this particular player? We would have the reasons to say, no, absolutely not. Seahawks fans should revolt on this idea. And this is the reason why. Yeah, we would maybe even Pete Carroll veto power, like with the whole hierarchy that we know about already. And if you joined us last week, last week, it was my turn to go first. So this week, Brandon, it's going to be your turn to go first. So if you want to dive right in and take that that first juicy in and say, you know, you got you got the pick of the litter here, right? What everything staring in your face? Where are you going to go with with the first free agency signing of the year, Brandon, what's what's tickling you? I have so many to choose from, and I do want to let people know who are tuning in via the Locker Room app. We do want to get you involved. Kind of the format of the show is Clinton and I, we, we talk for, you know, the first segment of the show, and then we want to get you involved, get your feedback. So start thinking about which free agent targets that you would want Seattle to go after or avoid. And that has bought me enough time to offer my first pick, <laughs> which is Tyler Eifert. I think the Seahawks need a tight end to go after in free agency. They need a veteran. They may even need to draft one, too. And, and one of the things about three in, three out, we, we try and look in the nooks and the crannies. And so, yes, you want to go out there and, and sign, you know, the, the Corey Lindsley's of the world, right? The, the veteran center, the, the Pro Bowl center, a Pro Bowl left guard. Those those are the guys that you want to go after. The, the, Seattle may not have the cap space to go crazy in free agency that they may have to make some additional moves to be able to get some of those big names. And, and maybe one of the biggest names is just bringing back Carlos Dunlap, who Clinton and I shared our views on him last week on how we did not want to see him cut. And yeah, so dumb. I'm starting with Tyler Eifert because it is a need. Seattle could use another veteran tight end. And I think the risk reward here is a good balance of what you can look for, considering the other areas where I would like the team to use cap space which is on the offensive line. And Eifert's one of those guys who has been, he's kind of been prone to injury, but he did play about half of the snaps down in Jacksonville last year. And I think he has just enough upside as a veteran to bring into Seattle. Okay. All right. I'm going to digest this. I, I, you know how you stalled to find your first pick there? And then, so, you know, you, you gave the soliloquy, you let people know that this is, we're going to do three stanzas, 15 minutes, and then 15 minutes of people jumping in. Then, then the Royal Rumble at the end, the full from the flock section. You do all that. 
And then you come out with the oft-injured Tyler Eifert. <laughs> okay, listen, listen, it's, it's okay. I'll leave, this is, that's, that's your call. It's your pick. I'll, I'll let you have that. And, you, you you know, I'll say you prefaced it by saying, hey, you know, the, the centers, the Lindsays, maybe even the, the the best left guards out there, the Joe Thunies of the world. If we're going to put those guys aside and say, hey, that's, you know, every, everybody kind of knows about that stuff. Then I could say, OK, I I, I at least kind of respect it. Um, and what does our team it. do, Clinton? Our team does not come out strong. You know, Russell Wilson would like that to come straight yeah, out of the gate yeah. strong. Can, I, can I'm you coming out free? with a conservative <laughs> pick. With the idea that, you know, on the back end, I'm going to I'm going to finish strong in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Can you win free agency in the first quarter? And obviously you don't think we can. So so the the, the first pick to you goes to Tyler Eifert. And again, in the tradition of three and three out, it sure is a cranny. Now we're going to flip it. Now I get to get a dude that I'm like, no, no Pete. No, 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 nobody. No, no, John. They were not doing it. This, this guy cannot be on the team. So I do not like this player. I think he's a great, obviously, really cool story. Probably a really good human being. I also don't care. These are not people that I, I know personally. I'm going to put the veto right away because I think we might go after him and I don't want to see it. Dude, I don't want to see James Conner running back from the Steelers anywhere near this team. I think not to say he's over the hill, but I think he might be over the hill already, even though he's still kind of young. He just, I watched a lot of him last year. I owned a lot of him in fantasy football and it's not just like super disappointing. He just doesn't have it. The step is gone. The thrill is gone. And he would be to me like a worse Carlos Hyde who we might overpay. So I want to put the kibosh on that right away and say, no, 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 don't go after James Conner. That's, that's my first veto. Yeah, Aaron Jones would be another guy in that category, too. But you, you would have to think that if they're going to pay a guy at the Aaron Jones level, they would just keep the dude that they have on the team with Chris Carson. So I think that's one of those step down guys from Chris Carson, but also a guy that you would have to pay too much for where it wouldn't even be worth it. Why not just go find a dude? Yeah, and there and there are guys there, and I might, and I may reserve some of those dudes for an in layer, depending on how this breaks. And if it doesn't, maybe we could talk about that if we have a little carryover too, because there are some dudes there that I think are better backs, and they do other things better than James Conner does. But I got this stupid hankering feeling, Brandon, that we might go after James Conner, and I don't want it. So I got the veto power, and I get to go there. Then we're snaking this thing, so we're snaking it back. I get to now take it in. Brandon, we have talked a lot, a lot, a lot about finding that that third wide receiver with that that quick twitch third wide receiver to really fill things out. I've got three. I'm going to go with my top one because I get the selection. Man, oh man, if you saw DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and one Curtis Samuel from the Panthers as a third wide receiver who can do some special things with the ball... How would you feel about that pick? I'm taking Curtis Samuel with my first in. I am surprised because you have been pounding the table for Golden Tate for weeks. And now and now you're, you've moved on to Curtis Samuel as your offseason guy that the Seahawks need to go get. Well, I mean, like it's like this, right? I mean, Golden Tate would be nice. He'd actually he's actually fourth on my list here. You know, so there's there's three, two other dudes and then Golden as the fourth that I think would fill in better and probably cost less money. Now, Curtis Samuel is going to get, I think he's going to get paid. I don't think he's going to get paid rock star money. However, you know, I think he's going to make a, you know, a pretty good little salary next year. And I think deserve, deservingly so. Also with the fuzziness in our, in our backfield, I do not trust our current running back situation whatsoever. 
he actually can run the rock. So if you have to go with like a Ty Montgomery thing for a little bit where he's getting spells back there, 10, 12 carries a game, he could do that too. He's just, he's shifty. I would love that dude in, in the slot, making noise and really freeing up DK and Lockett to go do some special things. So I'm enamored with Curtis Samuel. I think he's a hell of a ball player who's been on some fairly not so great Panthers teams. All right, for my first veto then, there's one name on this list that I have, and, and I didn't know if I was going to go first or second, so I, I have three dudes that I absolutely wanted veto power over, but the number one guy, there's one guy that jumps off the list of free agent players that are available that I don't want to have anything to do on my football team, and that is cornerback Malcolm freaking Butler. <laughs> <laughs> not not only because of the name and his history, but he was set to make $12.2 million last year. And <sighs> if Seattle is going to pay a corner anything upwards of $7 million, just bring Shaquille back. Yeah, uh, I so I love that. It's funny and tragic and heartbreaking and and all those things. I thought you might say Dre uh, was a uh, Kirkpatrick, right from uh, from the Cardinals. I thought you might go there because that dude's <laughs> dreadful. But um, but no, you, you you pulled out the Butler. The Butler did it. Let's yes, scrub that. I, I I'm probably going to have to put a trigger warning now on this podcast yes. just because I say his name. I do not want to have to do that for the entirety of the 2021 season. Yeah, it, and it, I did hear some rumors about, you know, what if, what if Sherm came back with Butler? At least that'd be comical. At least that'd be kind of fun. But I'm with you. We put the veto, the kibosh is on him, and he's he's now gone. So this flips back, and I think that means you get you get the next in. And I'm, I'm going to request an in after that, too, because why not? Okay, well, this is your show, so you can do what you want. And for my final in, I think I'm going to cheat a little bit because I am going to say an offensive lineman that Russ played with in college. And okay, the okay. thing about this is there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys who are out there as free agents that played with Russell Wilson, either at Wisconsin or at NC state. NC state Wolfpack. Yeah, all right. You got uh, Kevin Zeitler and mm -hmm. the downside with him is he's played right guard exclusively. Now, could you move Damian Lewis who, you know, the rookie right guard, could you move him to center or left guard? Maybe, uh, you got Ricky Wagner, who's out there, and the downside with him is that he's played right tackle exclusively in the mm -hmm. NFL. And, you know, they really need a center or a left guard. So Wagner's probably not the best option, but he was a guy that was protecting Russ's blind side at Wisconsin. Oh, that's not it's not terrible. That's not it's not it's not a terrible pick. I think it's 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 again, it's interesting. And like, you know, we didn't go with the Joe Thunies of the world. However, if, if I'm looking at this too, like I actually, I know people are like, hey, we should go, you know, we should go after Lindsay and really lock up the best center available. Certainly not a bad idea, right? If we do that, I don't think any Seahawks fans are going to be mad about that if we shuffle some monies around. However, when I look at the draft class coming out and I see dudes like Landon Dickerson and Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, Trey Hill, these are some big, big, you know, big mauling centers at historically awesome universities that know how to do everything. They're, you know, for the most part, running pro offenses and, and some darn good centers. So I'm actually more inclined to lay some chips on, on a, a really good left guard and then go draft a center. However, I think one way or the other, that, that combination feels okay to me. You know, lay some wood on, on a vet and go draft somebody high the next one or vice versa. Well, there are two other guys. If we're really getting into the crannies of the offensive line position, that guys that Russell Wilson played with, Ryan Groy, 
who played for the Chargers last year. And if you look mm-hmm. back at his career, the, the best season he had was back in 2016 with the Bills. And he played primarily at center and also at left guard. So Ryan Groy could be one of those names that, that would fit this category. And then Ted Larson as well. If we switch over from Wisconsin to NC State, Ted Larson, he just won a ring with the Bucks, being called up from the practice squad. And he was on the playoff roster. He didn't play a ton, but I kind of like that he could remind Russ now that he has as many rings as as Russ does. And he won his more recently with Tom Brady as his quarterback. So th- part of the re- and J.R. Nice. Sweezy, J.R. Sweezy is the last guy. He didn't play like on the it. offensive line at NC State with Russ. He was on the defensive line, but also has that familiarity. And the reason why I'm, I'm picking guys that Russ went to college with is I feel like he needs that guy who isn't afraid to get in his face and say, hey, you need to you know, get it together. Like Doug Baldwin, when when Doug Baldwin would be on the sideline and and getting into Russell Wilson and, and saying that you need to be better. I think he needs that guy. And I don't I don't know the personality of any of these guys. But if they have that ability based on their history, knowing him since college, that they can do that, that would be the guy that I'd want to go after. Hey, it's a theory, right? It's at least a theory. I don't know, like, you know, I can't see Russ being like, Super chummy buddy buddy with with some with some of the folks in uh, in college. Given given that he bounced around different schools and given that he was kind of mature beyond his years, doing you know doing certain things that other other you know twenty year old quarterbacks were probably not doing at that at that time in their life. But I appreciate that you came with the angle. I know we kind of probably got through the first stanza there. So do we want to quickly recap? Uh, you got Brandon, your final you took- veto, Clinton. Oh, the final veto. Right. Okay. Great. Great. Very quickly. This one's pretty simple. Um, All right. I got two here. However, since you took Eifert, that's going to take one off the table. It wasn't Eifert specifically, but I'll leave that be. I want nothing to do with like the AJ Greens of the world. Nothing. I want nothing, nothing. I, I do not want talented dudes who have been uber hurt forever. I don't want Will Fuller. I don't, I mean, Will Fuller's really good. Dude's a burner. However, we have burners. We don't need that kind of player. I just think it's a disaster. I think it's a disaster waiting to happen. You still got to pay pay a guy like that because of his pedigree, because of his name. You're gonna have to pay him, you know, something decent. I that's my last veto, man, because I think it'd be it'd be a bad, bad waste of money. And I think there's a lot of other wide receivers out there that are super that would come super cheap that have something to prove that actually fill a much, much more interesting role. Maybe we'll get to talk about that in the second stanza, but that's my last veto. I want nothing to do with AJ Green. I, I remember you going back to him, and there's a couple other guys that, that were also in my wheelhouse for guys to avoid, but yeah, maybe we can get to that here, like you said, sure. in the second stanza. So let's take a quick break, and we'll come back. And for those who are live with us in Locker Room, it's your chance to take over the show coming up next. you missed last week's episode live we did have some audio issues it didn't go into the field goals feed as usual but it was posted as a bonus episode up at getintheflock.com. you don't have to be a paid supporter to get it there just head to the site and look back a couple posts it's also available on the seahawkers podcast app if you want to check it out there it is now time to get into some of your questions and i see we have Corey who wants to come in with a question Corey, let it rip I just think uh, this year with the limited cap space we have, I mean, if you look back at like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, those guys like that, you know, they, they took care of the trenches. 
and they took care of the quarterback and the skill positions, they kind of took care of themselves. So I just think, you know, of course, though, those guys had, you know, their marquee one receiver that was good and high paid. But, you know, the way the market works now, it's, you know, running backs come and go, wide receivers come and go, you know, and especially with how the wide receivers are coming in nowadays, it's just like, yeah, we're, we can look for that third option, but I just think that that third option is just going to be that, that tight end that's going to fit right in our system, that Gerald Everett, or just, you know, even a, a drafted guy that we get, you know, or somebody on the team. But, you know, I, I think it's just trying to get that Corey Lindsley move at center, getting that taken care of and getting the communications taken care of is the biggest thing to me because it's those handoffs. You go back to that Arizona game. You go back to the the St. Louis game. You know, it wasn't so much, you know, guys getting through as far as one-on-one moves. It was those Texas stunts. And I think that starts with the center. And you go back and look at, like, Max Unger. We didn't have issues like that. And that's when the offensive line was in its prime. And we just need to get that continuity back. So that's how I feel. No, Corey, I think, you know, that's that's super logical, right? And I think... I think most Seahawks fans, including and Brandon, I'll speak for you as well. You know, if we end up with with the banging center, right? We end up we end up with Lindsay. We're like, yes, we got the guy. No one's going to be upset with that whatsoever. And if we use, I think we have the fifty fourth pick overall, and we go out and get like Amari Rogers from Clemson, and like you know maybe and get get that get that third receiver from the draft that you could pay, you know, put put onto a rookie deal. Yeah, I mean, sure. That 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 sounds really lovely. And so may, maybe it's not going out to get a curse, Samuel. And it, it is more making sure. And I think we all want to make sure we either get a left guard or get a setter, and then we can figure the figure the next piece out there too. I think Russ is in that echelon where if you just give him enough time, like you're saying, it doesn't it doesn't matter who the receiver is. You know, it's they're going to get open. I mean. You just I'll, look at I'll, like I'll push Freddy. back. I'll push back on that a little bit, though. I, I hear you, man. I'll push back a little bit that we just didn't have the right speed. Like at the end of at the end of last year, man, there was there was running David Moore. Like now we got now we got Shane the main brain with us, right? And we're gonna see a lot, lot of misdirection. We're gonna see a lot of jet sweeps. And last year we're running that with pretty much David Moore. We can't run that back with dudes that don't have that quickness. So I'll throw another name out there very quickly. This guy was on the list. Let's say we don't spend big money on Curtis Samuel. Cool. What if we spend a little bit of money on Isaiah McKenzie from the Bills? That dude's a little like scat wide receiver. Right. So, so quick. I'm okay, man. That's a good compromise for me is like, go get, just go get a really quick dude that could do all those misdirection things we're going to want to go do. And cool. Let's go. Let's go get our center. I'm, I'm totally in with that, Corey. Yeah, yeah. I just I just think that, uh, you know, trying to remedy the two issues of uh, trying to get that third receiver. And it's like, if you got all day back there, I don't even care who is back there. You know, if they're an NFL quarterback, if they have time, they can pick apart anybody. And I think if Waldron can make Jared Goff, of all people, look good, then I just think that Russ getting out of the pocket better and using him on rollouts and not getting him in as a pocket passer you know, where he's 5'10", and he's trying to look over guys 6'5", and the pocket's eating him up on five- and seven-step drops. It's, you know, setting him up in situations to win. I think that's the biggest key, and I hope Waldron can do that. I think he can if he can make Jared Goff look as good as he did. And uh, I hope for the best. I really do. Well, thanks, Corey. And that brings us to uh, what Tim was saying. And in kind of the same lines of what Corey was saying is that Freddie Swain could potentially be that guy for the Seahawks. So, and and maybe there's a draft pick 
out there too that you know in the third and fourth round i know the seahawks haven't done all that great in the fourth round but is there that guy out there kate johnson Mm. he he might be a guy i like that our first pick if we got that quinn miners and we got Corey lindsley in free agency we got miners a left guard Mm -hmm. that'd make me feel real good get kate johnson in that third or fourth pick get Sherman in free agency and draft Benjamin St. Juiced, who's like a 6'3 corner from Minnesota. And I think that remedies a lot of issues with less money and we can get by. It, it remedies a lot of issues, in my opinion. And, and one thing too, Corey, is like, it's, it's, I, I think people do, I, I would want folks to realize that this is not just like Seattle's cross the bear this year. Like, I think Seattle's actually in like the 12th best position when it comes to salary cap. And it's it's a fantastic year. That's why the Dunlap thing is such a head scratcher for me. It's it's a fantastic year to mortgage the future a little bit because you got the TV contract coming, you could and you could just extend and load up on uh, load up on the signing bonus and actually lower cap across across the board. Hopefully we do see some of that. Um, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to take some magicianship, but you know, the good news is John Schneider has been a wizard. So let, let's, let, let's let him go do his Hogwarts stuff. And I think we'll be okay. I, I'm with you. Yes. Yes. Well, thanks for letting me speak guys. Appreciate the conversation. Thanks Corey. All right, Brent. Anybody, anybody else that can hear us? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing quite yet, but I did want to respond to one thing that you mentioned about Carlos Dunlap because I was listening to Seattle area radio here this last week. And Ian Rappaport was on, and I think he provided a little bit of insight to the Carlos Dunlap situation as that maybe we didn't have last week when we were saying that, you know, he's a guy that you absolutely can't cut. What he was saying was he may have had that uh, trigger kind of in the negotiation to come to Seattle, that if they were going to trade for him, it was contingent on the idea that he had to be allowed to uh, to be a free agent when it came time. And now. I don't know how that exactly works in terms of the timing with, you know, why he was released when he was released. You know, why not release a guy earlier if that's the the case? And correct. And maybe that's a negotiated thing, too, to where it's okay. you get one week before it's it's fair game for everybody. And we're going to allow you to be that street free agent guy and go out there. And, And that was one of the things that we haven't talked about is the difference between the street free agents and the guys who are unrestricted free agents when it comes time for the new league year to start. Because if you go on overthecap.com and and you click the free agents, there's street free agents, there's unrestricted free agents. And the cool thing about the street free agents is that they do not count toward your compensatory draft picks. Right. And that was one thing that we saw in the news this last week, that the Seahawks did not get any compensatory draft picks because they signed an, an equal number of guys to guys who were leaving in free agency. And so picking up guys like Brandon shell, it, it impacted being able to get compensatory draft picks. Now Seattle hasn't really done all that much with their comp picks in past years, but if they're going to be routinely losing their first round pick or trading away extra picks to acquire players, then it, it'd be kind of nice to have two or three guys come on as, as comp picks or, or at least have those picks to be able to trade away and do the, the John Schneider things within the draft. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you because right now, like, what do we? We have four picks, right? So, four. Like, I so, think, you know, and there may be a fifth. We the the Jets. There was a seventh rounder to the Jets that was contingent, and I don't think we've seen the official list quite yet. 
but there there's some and it's a seventh so really it, it's you know well hey hey listen a seventh has turned into you know chris carson for us in the past right so we and sherman was a sixth rounder right so they fifth we've rounder, done okay yeah. with, with late yeah, oh, okay fifth round but, we, but we've done well with late round folks just not that fourth round avoid, avoid that fourth, fourth round. rounder receiver especially. receivers yeah bad 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 yeah all the bads you know, and, and again, I think it's I think it is highly likely that that what Corey is saying is what we will pursue. Um, and that's great. And I, I think it's totally fine. One thing, one one reason for me that I I, I would actually if, if it's like Lindsay or Thuney, I'm actually in the Thuney camp. And it's not because center is not actually more important than left guard. A center is because of all the reasons we talked about, like calling out the plays and really recognizing those stunts. Extremely important. Thuney is, I think, now 26 years old. He's you know heck of a heck of a guard himself coming coming from yeah, the, the 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 Belichick system over there and uh, I also like the idea that with the fact that last year when we had to have a fill in center like we were able to do that on the fly we so it's like we were able to have that that position covered and like I said earlier I really like the the depth I'm not a huge college person so I can't sit here and profess like that all these dudes are, are bangers and are all good but I do love when you see major major powerhouse teams putting out centers who are all like you know all graded super high that are going to be drafted you know going to be drafted probably in the first three to four rounds. So I think any of those dudes are going to be quite good. Uh, but, but either way, that combination works well for me. Brandon, do you have a particular, uh, you know, particular uh, preference? If it was, do you want to get the set? Do you want Lindsay locked up? If that was the, the absolute number one, I think, I think I'm kind of with you though, in terms of guard that Thuni, I had him down on my list. He was, he was an NC state guy too. So he, he didn't play with Russ, but obviously he came after, but uh, an NC state alum, I'm kind of with you on that because in terms of positional draft value, generally teams are able to find centers in the second round who, you know, the, the, because the first round is for your left tackles, your right tackles, you know, the, the really top guards you're going to see go. And usually you see the centers slip in behind those guys. So I think yeah. there's that potential there that you could bring in a rookie and have him be competitive at center more so than at guard. So I, I'm with you there. I didn't have a ton of centers down on my list either, but one of the guys I did have was uh, Matt Filer, who mm -hmm. now I I know that picking a versatile player from Pittsburgh, it didn't really work out so well last year. <laughs> but no, no, you know, the, 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 BJ, the BJ flamed out. However, you know, BJ turned into Carlos Dunlap in, in some in some ways. So, you know, it wasn't wasn't his fault. That was that's a we we made we made it work. Uh, well, Schneider did his wizardry and made it work. So, but I, but yes, we didn't have any luck last year. And looking back, we really over overpaid uh, B.J. Finney quite handsomely. Yeah, and so Matt Filer, he has experience. And uh, so this this was one of the ones I was thinking of. If they did get a center like Lindsley, then uh, Filer is a guy who has played both left guard and he has experience at right tackle too. And so I, I like that idea of having some backup for Shell in case there continues to be. You know, some kind of injury type issues with him. He played 857 snaps at left guard last year with Pittsburgh, only allowed two sacks. And so he was one of the guys on my list. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's on a team where, you know, while Roethlisberger can stand back there like an oak and and kind of just shrug dudes off still somehow, some way, um, you know, it's it's not he's not exactly a mobile quarterback at this point in his career. So, you know, only allowing those two sacks sounds sounds pretty. It's at least pretty intriguing. I like I like going that that layer deeper and and talking about folks that 
you know, aren't just the aren't just the obvious folks, which is what we love to do on three and three out, of course. Well, Brandon, do you want to continue on with a couple of maybe nooks and crannies if we don't have any uh, any callers at this moment? We do have Tim in the chat who uh, he is pounding the table as saying that the Seahawks must sign Shaquille. And so I'm offering him an opportunity to come in. But if, if we just want to react to that. Well, I mean, here's so here's the thing for me with Shaquille. I So I've got three cor- cornerbacks that I would like Seattle to sign. And one of them is Shaq Griffin. This really depends on what can Shaq Griffin get in a, in this in this year. You know, he's I think he's been a good and then sometimes quite good cornerback. I mean, yeah, little ups and downs. Year one, uh, quite a good year. Uh, you know, uh, some of the middle middle times there, a, a little a little shaky. But I thought he was pretty good last year, man. I thought he was pretty darn good. And then once once you had like DJ Reed over there, and you had you know when once Dunbar kind of washed out with all his injuries, I don't know. It felt pretty solid. It felt like a pretty good pretty good one two punch. I like bringing Shaq Griffin back. However, I do have two dudes that you might be able to bring get get in here that I think are just as good as Shaq Griffin and might come cheaper. I wonder if if you have any any folks on your radar that are that kind of fall into that category. I, I had a veto name on my list, and that was AJ Boye from the Broncos. I, I no, do no, not, thank you. You know, for what he made, I'm not interested. Um, Robert Alford for the Cardinals, he stunk. Uh, yep. I, I'm not, <laughs> this guy stinks. Yeah, <laughs> no, not not great either. So no, those those are not the two that I had either. I okay. mean, I'll, the, I'll, the, the two names then that I am kind of looking at is having interest in. And man, if they ended up with Patrick Peterson, that would be kind of wild. But I, I'm not necessarily. I think that's probably going to be too high price. He's he's going to have somebody that uh, that'll overpay too much, for him. Too I much think. pedigree. I, I agree. Someone that's the, that's the JJ Watt of, of the whole thing. And so you know, okay, you might get a good player, but you're probably going to pay. Probably going to overpay, especially at this point in his career. The two names hitting my radar: Justin Coleman is out there on the streets. He was cut good. by the Lions. I, I do like some Justin Coleman, and another guy who I think that he did pretty well with the Colts, despite how he left uh, Minnesota is Xavier Rhodes. And yeah, they yeah, had the X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. They had a nice pass rush with the Colts and he was able to hold up well with a nice defensive line. So Rhodes would be one of those guys that if they were able to find a guy on the defensive line, then I would be up for him. Tim can't come in and defend himself because he is driving. But uh, who who else do you have? That, that as corner? long as Tim could could hammer the text while he's driving and not do the voice, then that's that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect, Tim. And, uh, as long as we know what the priorities priorities of safety are at, so we love it. Le- pro- probably sitting in a Tesla doing the self driving anyway while I was in Texas. <laughs> but but we we love you, Tim. Um, so the I mean Coleman's good, but I but if we're replacing Shaq, we're not looking for a slot guy, and Coleman's going to primarily be you know uh, probably still be in the slot. And that's a super important, you know, slot corner is, is I think he played very, outside very with Detroit though. I, I think he okay. could be an did, outside did he, guy. Did he bounce? Okay. Did he, okay. Well, th- there you go. Maybe he bounced outside. I loved him in the slot though. I love Coleman hopping into the, the, uh, you know, the Salvation Army kettle doing the whole thing already. He was, he was a very good Seahawk and that was, that was a steal. That was some more wizardry by, uh, by Schneider right before the season had started. Um, so I think they're good dudes, but the guys that I got are actually, Folks, we see a lot of. So we're talking NFC West. So Jason Verrett, I think it's how you say his last name, Verrett, mm-hmm. on the Niners. Like that dude is like so sticky good. Now he's had injury problems a couple different years, but last year I think he played thirteen or fourteen games. He is so 
freaking sticky as a corner. And I started, you know, so I ended up watching a lot of Niners games and I'm on Twitter while I'm watching the games. And while Sherm is hurt, I follow Sherm on Twitter. Sherm loves this guy, loves him, like praises how good he is as a corner. So that's a player to me that you got injury history, but you are a proven, a proven quarter corner, you probably come in maybe 20, 30, 40% under Shaq Griffin. And the other guy also in the NFC West, uh, Troy Hill from the Rams. Troy Hill is a, is a I, I, I just, we saw him a lot. We just, uh, again, another, another player that you think he's going to come cheap. I don't think he'll come super cheap, but I, don't, I, I think he's at least in that, that Griffin range. I don't think he's maybe, I don't think he's gonna be well above that Griffin range. I don't, I don't see that happening. Yeah. But again, what is that range this year when the salary cap is what? 182.5 or something like that. You know, in, in a regular year, those dudes are probably well into the 12, 13, 14, 15 million. What happens this year? I, I, I don't know, but back to Corey's, what I was saying about Corey's point is, Everybody has the same level playing field. And, and in fact, Seattle's not in that bad of a situation and can still make things work. But let's put it this way. If it's like any of those dudes, 20 or 30% less than Shaq, I think I'd take any of them, especially Verrett. However, if we got the money, I'd love to have Shaq Griffin back, man. I think he's a core player. And, uh, you know, this is going to be a year of a lot of change. Not changing your, your CB1 is, is, is an okay thing in my book. Well, two more names to throw out there that fit that profile of what Pete Carroll really looks for in a corner. And these were guys that we were talking about years ago because they played for the University of Washington. And one of those is Kevin King, who is now a free agent from the Packers. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be incredibly expensive. Um, you not know, he not, hasn't not been. after not, not after that last game he played. <laughs> no. And and you have to wonder if, you know, because some of these guys, Justin Coleman wasn't a breakout guy until Pete Carroll, you know, he came into right. Carroll's system and was playing the way that Pete wants him to play. Uh, Sidney Jones is the other guy. And he went down from Philly to the Jaguars and now he's a free agent. So those are a couple of UW guys that uh, maybe Pete Carroll sees something in. And if he can get them to come to Seattle cheap, maybe they can kind of resurrect their career in Seattle. Yeah, I think the, the the whole PNW or just even West Coast, when you, when you have the players that are playing, playing up and down the West Coast in college, it just does seem that Carroll still still does have his finger on on that pulse, that that overarching pulse in general, and and does a nice job of, you know, who knows, but culturally being able to bring those kind of players back, and it's not not even just folks that are at UW, but. Literally, folks that are you know that play in California, folks that play in uh, Oregon, even folks that are playing up in like BC and in, in other leagues that we've seen in years past as well. It's kind of like a, a little hyper niche thing that Carroll has proven to be very good at, and it's probably a, a mix of the rest of the world and the rest of America having having a strong East Coast bias because that's just the way it is, and and then the rest of it just being he just probably has more eyes out there, just he has actual more knowledge of these people and has probably talked to them as they came up through ranks because they're sitting in his backyard for the most part. All right. If anybody else wants to come in, be sure and raise your hand. We can get you on in here too. Tim did let us know he's being safe. He's using the red lights. He does not have a Tesla. It's a Toyota. <laughs> and uh, he, one of the things he brought up and, and maybe we can talk about this while we wait for anybody else who wants to jump in. He, he pointed out the fact that Posick was drafted in the second round and he was a center for LSU yep. And yeah, he didn't work out all that great this last year. No. But would you be open to if they were to go out and get a guy like Thune, bring Posick back and have him play center? Or are you looking at Kyle Fuller or you know, where do you go then at center? 
Well, the thing is, I didn't, I didn't think, I mean, yes, Posick, it, it's, it's kind of like the Kevin King thing, right? Posick didn't end well. So the bias is going to, the recency bias is going to be legit that we, re, we remember the stunts and we remember, you know, just Donald blowing past him and, and Floyd coming off the edge and just stunt, it's just the, the Texas twist and everything else happening there where, where Posick didn't have a very good game. It, it, to me, it's like the combination of, it was two thirds of the, uh, sorry, two fifths of the line trying to do, do the fast math there with our left guard not being, you know, not, really not being up, up to snuff at that point either. It just, it just seems to me that if you got a solid B, B plus left guard, I mean, dare I say an A minus left guard and POSIC, you'd probably be okay. And he'd be very cheap. And, um, and then on top of that, you're bringing back continuity. You have four yes. guys now. Uh, based on what Russ said uh, a couple weeks ago, is continuity really the best way you want to go with the <laughs> offensive line? I don't know. I think he'd be okay. Yeah, I don't think it's the it to me. It's like if we got a very strong left guard uh, that we signed. I'm not so I, I and that's the other thing. Like I think centers could come in and be more league ready than your guards and certainly your tackles. I just don't want to roll the dice with. A, a two two fifths of the line. I'm okay with one fifth, or or I'm actually okay with you know what you have in Posick, and you go get that left guard. That's pretty good. Or you go draft it. You know, you go draft the center in the second or third, and you, and you sign the left guard. That's my favorite combination for the reasons we've discussed. But I wouldn't be crushed if Posick was back, especially if he's hiking the ball to Russell Carrington Wilson because he's going to be back now. We you know I know we got a few minutes left here. One position we didn't talk about at all that scares the bejesus out of me right now, Brandon is running back. Our running back room right now is a disaster. And I do not see Chris Carson coming back as much as, as you know, I love Chris Carson. He's my favorite current Seahawk. And I just, um, you know, I've, it's like much too late for goodbyes over here. I'm, I'm basically, I'm basically, you know, tearing up. I think he's going to be gone, but I, I am so not enamored with our current running back room. I think it's a, uh, it's, it's got a lot of issues. I'm not really enamored with the the guys that would be out there to to bring in either. I I think that's one that you just have to kind of trust and hope. Well, you, oh, Mark Ingram, he already signed. That was a he guy that signed. was on my list, so he signed well, with the, the Texans. Well, the, to me, there are a few that are at least at least interesting. Um, and again, my first veto was James Conner because I think that's a guy that we would sign. I'm like, God, don't do that. But I, but I, you know, I'll throw a couple out to you that I think are are at least interesting. Again, this I, I live in Connecticut, so I see a lot of New York Giants. Wayne Gallman is not he, he he is not a bad running back. Oh, yeah. And when I say not a bad running back, he's I think he's better than a Jag. You know, he's just better than just a guy. I think he is a B, B minus uh running back, which and and he will not be that expensive. He just he's not gonna cost an arm and a leg. And he can actually be at least a two down back and and maybe even a three down back. I think I think he's he's somebody that I know people would be like, oh my gosh, Wayne Gallman, and kind of maybe feel depressed about it. However, if you watch some Giants last year, he was a bright spot amongst a, a pretty crappy team. Yeah, that's some more to look at. It kind of fits into that cranny mold as well. You know, let's go to another area where I am just I I'm I'm incredibly worried about, and Corey is going to come back in and nice. uh, I think set us up for probably the topic that closes out the show. Let's hear. All right, Corey, what you got? Well, you know, we, uh, you know, losing Dunlap, you know, that's a big loss, obviously. And we got to replace that, that production. And so, you know, it's either you go after like a big fish, I think like a Carl Lawson, 
he's going to be like that big free agency guy who's going to get some money. And, uh, or do you go maybe a little cheaper on an older guy, maybe like a, a, a Kerrigan, somebody like that. But I think if you get Carl Lawson, you can't get a Corey Lindsley, though. It depends. I, I don't know what you guys think, which way we should go on that. I mean, there's a lot of names out there, but I think Darrell Taylor and, you know, Alton Robinson, you know, I think another year getting under his belt and being out there, that's going to help a lot from that Leo position. I think if we can kind of focus on maybe that five tech, getting that push that Carl, the Carlos Dunlap got that attention that that clowny got, you know, it's not so much that that sacks it's that that guy that pushes the pocket so that leo can clean it up kind of guy so i don't know what do you guys think well brandon why don't you take it uh take it first yeah i think they do need to go for a guy that's high priced in this spot and i i think that there's enough that they could do with restructuring wilson's contract restructure bobby that you can make enough room to spend on the offensive line and then bring in somebody especially with the depressed market and uh, you know, you also have Jamal Adams that you can resign him to a long term deal that would bring the cap number down too. And if you sign a guy, yeah, you, you brought up uh, the, the Bengals edge player, Carl Lawson. If, if you sign to a big bonus, you can really have a low cap number the first year and extend that yep. out. And Lawson is one of those guys that he's young. And so I could see that being a good move. I also, man, I, I do like Dunlap, though, because we saw what he could do in the Seahawks system. You know, if it's between those two guys, I guess you would probably go with Lawson just based on age. Um, but Lawson might be a little more expensive than Dunlap, too, because of the age. And so I think that you do want to spend on that edge position. The one guy that I think that could come in a little bit cheaper that could probably provide that level of impact would be Melvin Ingram coming from the Chargers. He, he's interesting, and I, I think I, there's a couple out there that I think are I, I, I'm interested to understand how expensive you think this guy will be. So there's another player in our division who had 12 and a half sacks last year, who for the first three years of his career wasn't he, they had him as a linebacker, just didn't let him go do what he what he was supposed to go do as an edge. But he had 12 and a half sacks last year because uh, they moved him to edge and said, "Go go bless the quarterback." Do you know who I'm uh, home after? Leonard Floyd. No, Hassan Reddick. Oh, Hassan Reddick. No, I'm not I mean, interested so like, in Reddick. Well, okay, why? Why? I think that he, for for what the Cardinals have done, for one, I, I think they run a 3-4. And yeah. so it, it kind of, I, I don't know if he necessarily fits into the Seahawks scheme as an edge player, as, as that Leo type player. And so that's what would make me avoid him. And I think by having that number, other teams are going to think that they can re- reproduce that. But we've seen the Cardinals get so much production from that position, no matter who's kind of in that spot. Not not a bad not a bad take there. Well, I got one more, and then and Corey, if, you, if you're still with us, which I think you are, um, certainly like to get your opinion on this too. Obviously, I'm I'm certainly NFC West heavy today, as I'm realizing. But another dude that I thought was constantly in the backfield last year for the 49ers was Kerry Hyder. He ended up with eight and a half sacks, but. He seemed he seemed like a dude that was constantly just chasing around the edge, chasing quarterbacks out of the pocket. Hyder's been kind of a bounce around the league type of guy, and he seemed to really catch fire last year. He's another dude. Now, again, he's not he's not the big name. He's definitely not that that big name kind of guy. He's more like a Mayoa almost. But I do think that Kerry Hyder is going to 
going to provide value for wherever he does land. So those are two dudes that are on my radar that I think could be not so, so expensive and yet still still really produce quite a number of sacks, which is what we're after here. With all that, I'd love to bring back Dunlap. <laughs> I think his game, that hider that you were talking about, he kind of reminds me a lot of like a better Quinn and Jefferson, that same kind of style, um, kind of that bigger power guy, which could fit right, you know? And remember like when uh, Pete Carroll first came here, he had that, uh, oh, that big defensive tackle, uh, big red, you know? Red Bryant. Um, he he yeah. was, Red Bryant, man. I mean, he was so big, but he was so agile, and he fit that mold just so well, you know, just that power big guy that pushed uh, Chris Clemens, you know, same position. So it was just setting the guys up and, and all that kind of stuff. But I would love to have Dunlap back. I really would. I mean, if we got, Guys like that, that would be great. You know, Lawson and getting those ring signs are critical. It's just so tough for me with guys now in the league. You know, Tom Brady's so old school that he understands that, and I hope these guys can get that. But, you know, so these guys nowadays are so about getting what they're worth, you know. And I, I admire that in a, in a way, but at the same time, it's like if you want a championship, then you got to sacrifice too. Hopefully something goes like that. And I really do hope, you know, we can get Russ on an extension and get those right contracts because if there's a wizard, it's John Schneider. Hopefully he can pull it out. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, th- hey, Corey, thanks for, uh, you know, coming coming in not once but twice and really bringing some uh, some good some good questions and topics to uh, today's show, man. Yeah. And, you know, just on the topic of they don't even have to extend Russ to be able to create cap room. And from what I've heard, uh, guys like Joel Corey say is that the Seahawks have it in contractually that they can just move around the money because essentially he's under contract for the next three years uh, so they can turn his base salary into bonus and then spread that out over the remainder of the contract. And that and so you're pushing it off to the next two years, but you automatically by doing that, you create $12 million in cap space. Now, yeah, if that's you're, a lot, buddy. I, I would tell Russ that, hey, this is to pay the dude on the offensive line that we get. And, you know, that hopefully you can you can maneuver around the money that uh, that you need to spend on the defensive line, too. And that's what we're going to be watching this week. Yeah, it's going to be it is going to be a fun week. This is you know, it's going to be the nice part is. You know, we, we made it through 50 minutes of talk here and we're, and we're not talking about Russell Carrington Wilson being traded to the freaking Bears, right? We didn't even say the word trade in Russell until, until I just did there. So it seems to maybe hopefully have tampered down a little bit, uh, tempered down a little bit even. And this, this next week is going to be really, really interesting because again, it's like, I think people get in the Seahawks bubble and it's like, well, we don't have the money. It's like nobody has the money. We're not in a terrible situation. There's going to be so many veterans that are out there like, like, damn, these are some good players who are just now readily available. And they're going to have to think about two to three year contracts where they could stuff the bonus, spread it out, spread it out over that time and take a low cap hit because that's just what's going to be until until the new TV revenue kicks in and freaking coronavirus is over which is which is thankfully happening. So it's it's like I just want the Seahawks fans to understand that this is just not like our it's not that's not our burden. It's everybody's and we have a very very good GM and we're actually not in a terrible position when it comes to cap. So I expect us to have a very solid off season and and us to go storming into the draft like really really happy campers. I like it. Well, Clinton, we will get on out of here. If you want to be back, we'll we'll post the time up at fieldgoals.com 
I don't know if we're going to keep doing this necessarily on Saturday, but we will post it up there and notify you that way. Or you can follow me at Seahawkra in the locker room app and you can get that notification as soon as we go live. So if they want to follow you on Twitter, Clinton, where do they go? Sure. At Clinton Bond on Twitter. At Clinton Bond for him. You can follow me at Seahawkers Pod. And yes, we will be back using the Locker Room app live. And I will be up on field goals this week because it's going to be free agency time, Clinton. We're going to we're going to have dudes to talk about. Yeah. The, the, the only question is which which Seahawks, you know, champion are you going to bring on next time to, to talk with? Right. So great job with the uh, with the turbo interview, by the way, man, you crushed it. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.